featured with Miss Lisa Pruitt as our interview, which we'll get to that in a minute. But before that, we have Audrey and Abby to talk about a project we have going on in Tigers, Inc. Hi, we're partnering with Storm and LISA for a soccer equipment drive. We'll be collecting gently used soccer gear, like shin guards and cleats, throughout the month of January. Drop-off locations include RP Diamond, Paxton's, Ramsey's, Epiphany, and North Star, and there's also a drop-off location right outside the LHS Auditorium. Yeah, and then the actual swap day is going to take place on February 12th. Um, it'll be in the LIS cafeteria from 9 to 12. And you actually don't have to give equipment to collect, so come by and stop by the cafeteria if you're in need of any soccer equipment that the community has donated. And <laughs> we want equipment to be available to everyone, and then the extra equipment that's left over from the event is going to be donated. That sounds amazing. Thank you both for talking about that. It seems like... It's going to have a great impact on our community. Sean, let me ask you this question. All right. How do you feel when something doesn't go according to plan? Well, Dylan, I can tell you that it's definitely not a good feeling. I actually feel uncomfortable. I feel pressured to make decisions maybe I otherwise wouldn't. All around, it's maybe not the best experience. What do you think? I have to agree with you. You know, your first instinct is just nervous. What do I do? That panic button hits. But you just got to cool down, stay collected, and get the job done. You know what? That's about what I would want to do, too. And lucky for you guys, we actually had an interview of someone who deals with this all the time. Her name is Mrs. Lisa Pruitt. She has a wealth of different experiences in her background, ranging from the military to upper corporate leadership. She is an amazing person and a very, very accomplished person. So here is our interview with Ms. Pruitt. Hope you guys enjoy it. Good Doing to see you guys. Joined with Dylan again today. And uh, to start this off, um, what would you say you are doing right now? Because you are a woman of many hats and many talents. How would you best describe who you are and what you do? Okay. So currently, uh, my official title is President of Packaging Labels and Forms for R.R. Donnelly. We are a communications company, so our role is to help our clients connect closer to their consumers. And so the I run those the packaging and labels and forms divisions. And we, not surprisingly, produce packaging labels and forms. We have, a, it's about a billion dollars in revenue, about 3,000 people, and about uh, 23 plants across North America. So that's my, my official role. That's a lot. So how did you get in contact with this company in general? Like, how did you get to where you are now? So I uh, was was contacted by a recruiter and a recruiter that I had an executive recruiter I had known, you know, most of my career and I had spent the vast majority of my career in the packaging space. So they knew me, I knew them. And then when the role, they were hired to source the role, I was one of the, one of the people that they called. So what stage of your career path would you say that you're in at the moment? Uh, I would say I'm probably, if you think about a career in three trimesters, I'd be in the third trimester, right? I um, probably will work maybe, I don't know, maybe another eight years or so. So near coming up on the end here. Thinking about that retirement. That's right. That's right. I got I got two boys to get out of the house and then, <laughs> and then I'm on my way. <laughs> so given that you say you only have eight years left, is this 
Are you saying that just because you want to retire? Is this like work that you enjoy doing? Oh yeah, I love my job, right? So that just as you think about, all right, what what does it look like? When could it happen? But I love what I do. And so that's not to say that, you know, in eight years, I have decided I continue to work because because I'm I'm still really really fulfilled and in love in what I'm doing, mm-hmm. right? So it just it just depends. So what is it about the work that you it's enjoy about it? it's it's complex, it's challenging, it's ever ever changing, you know, particularly in the world today. I mean, it's the supply chain problems, COVID. You know, those are just uh, make it interesting every day. I mean, and I started at Donnelly the day that the company went into lockdown. So I never I have worked for them virtually from the beginning and and for a a long time, never met anybody except on video. So it was just it was an interesting transition trying to understand manufacturing plants and people by doing it all remote. So outside of uh, Donnelly, what other work have you done? Because I'm assuming you had to get a lot of networking to the point where you're getting recruited for these executive positions. So what other aspects of your background are there? So I, after college, was in the Army. So that was where I um, first began, you know, you could call it networking, meeting a lot of different people from college and then in the army. And then I grew up in the packaging industry through sales. So I started as first I started in HR and decided after right out of the army that I didn't like HR, just didn't suit me. So I moved into sales and then uh, moved through sales, sales rep, then sales manager, then sales VP and, and through those, those jobs. And then eventually, eventually to this job. And then, you know, package, any industry is really small once you get into it. Mm-hmm. So the specific packaging that, that we primarily do is folding cartons. So you think about what's on a grocery shelf, like a cereal box or a McDonald's fry scoop made out of paperboard. And that's the, really the, the specific packaging that we do. And that's a pretty small industry. So over time you just get to know, you know people and always a good rule of advice is when recruiters call and want to talk to you either about a job or talk to you about helping them find people for a job they're fulfilling you help them and that helps build build that network many people only want to talk to recruiters when they need them but i think a good piece of advice is as you move through your career you're always talking to them and helping them fill their jobs because then when you need them they'll be there for you and you've built this mutual relationship so as a part of that, maybe also getting to a point where it's not just you going to them, but also them coming to you. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And then there that is that mutual relationship, especially if you're in a small industry, they're calling you and saying, this job may not fit you, but who do you know in your network that you would recommend I call? And then, and then that just becomes that, that mutual give and take. So then when you're calling them and you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm kind of ready to go and look for another job, even though you're in your current job, you know, they're, they're more amenable to helping you. So you're assuming that maybe with this one, you had other people, like maybe they called other people in their networks and they said, Lisa Pruitt, that's a good person. Yeah, well, a part of what happened was the actual recruiter in this firm didn't know me, but, but her boss, a guy that had been in the industry for a long time, knew me. And that's how she knew to call me is because he said, why don't you, you call, uh, call Lisa? Cause he had known me, had known me for years. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's just a good life lesson, right? That building of networks and, and uh, I mean, that just is kind of how a lot of stuff gets done is, you know, you don't, you need a babysitter. You call your, you call the neighborhood, uh, your neighbors and you say, who, who do you recommend to have as a babysitter? And then, all, you know, that's, it works the same way in the business world. Mm-hmm. 
So going back to the beginning of your networking at West Point, how would you say that that university affected your career? Well, you know, not to not to overemphasize it, but you know, West Point, I, I believe, is the is the best leadership training institute in the world. Unbiased. So no bi- right, no <laughs> bias at all. But and for sure better than Navy. I mean that's just a fact. <laughs> just a fact. But uh, you know, they, that just sets the stage for, for learning how to be, be an impactful leader. Because when you think about being in the military in, in any of the branches of service, you are leading soldiers into battle. I mean, that's your job, right? So the world many times thinks that a command and control type of leadership works in the military, and that's just not the case. And what they teach you at West Point is how to build you know, a well-oiled machine, but also building almost that community, that, that brotherhood, that, that sense of belonging that, um, that happens somewhat more naturally in the military, but they still teach you how to do it. And I think that's a key aspect that, that it's taken me through, um, into the civilian world mm. is how you build that that sense of connectedness because you, know, you look and you read about people now being disconnected feeling not close to their work and and that's a big way to to not only take care of people's mental health but then keep and retain people is if you're building that that community and that and that teamwork what are some ways that you try and build a community if you do so it you know at work all couple things because it's hard over video right it's it's really it's really hard because the what's interesting is when you're together you're taking the time to have those unscripted personal conversations right how's your family what'd you do this weekend what I found in the video, because you're in videos all day, half an hour, hour increments, one after another, is that they're very scripted. Mm-hmm. Nobody's just kind of, you know, relaxed and talking. You're in there. You have an agenda. You're off. You're off to your next meeting. So it's important to try to to try to maybe control or plan those interactions. I we've scheduled happy hours. So virtual happy hours, which have, have been weirdly fun, <laughs> right? And then, and then I've been, when, since when we've been allowed to travel, making sure when I'm out in the plants that we're spending time eating together. I mean, that's just a big way, you know, bring in lunch and have the whole team eat or go out to dinner. And, and that's a big way. And then that carries over into the more kind of more authentic relationship uh, when you're on video all the time. So you believe building a personal bond between you and your coworkers is essential for building yeah, a successful Yeah, absolutely. Company. I do. Absolutely. Because then, then there's just a closeness. It, it just builds more of, of the community. And it, that's a, a big part of, of how I lead. Well, I agree. That's definitely just like not even in the workplace. I think yeah. that's just something that we could kind of carry out into everyday life. Yeah. More often. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And and it, it's that empathy because you never know what each person's going through. And until you build that bond, you're, you, you're not going to know. And mm-hmm. someone could be underperforming at work and it could have nothing to do with what's happening at work. Right. Everyone goes through their seasons and 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 by building that bond, you're going to be able to get un, into, well, what what is the causes and how do we how do we work on them together? And if it is that there's other things happening, then you can be there for them and help them help them through it. So going back to the army, what what led you to go down the military route? Right, so my family was not a, a military family, and the the story is that I saw the movie Stripes. 
I don't know if you guys have seen that movie. It kind of predates you. I think it does. Uh, yeah. no, <laughs> okay. All right. Well, it's a. I think Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd were in it, and it's a. They were in. It's a comedy, and they were in the military, and 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 I. So I said to my parents, you know, I want to join the army, and they said, no, no, you don't want to join the army. Why don't you go learn about West Point? And and that's kind of what happened. Is I went and saw the counselor and uh, started to learn about it. You know, it kind of fit my personality. I like hard things and it was going to, it was hard. And I played, then I also, I played tennis. So what, then I uh, contacted the tennis coach and then began to be recruited for tennis to play at West Point as well. So it kind of was that, that journey of learning about even what it was, but really what drew me more was, um, you know, was the idea of a really hard challenge. And then my parents were from Ohio. We lived in in Florida, but they had those Midwest values of country and, and God. I mean, really. And that was a big part of how I was raised. And so through that becomes this sense of service. Right. And, and the military spoke to that, right? The sense of service, the, the God and the and country um, kind of all, you know, spoke to me as I began to learn more about the school. So you're saying it was kind of more of a reflection of the things that you upheld when you learned about yeah. it and it just draw you into it. Absolutely. I like that. So were there like any challenges you had returning to civilian life after you were in the Army? Yeah, I... Uh, no, I, I don't ever, I don't remember it being unbelievably hard. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't. On the flip side then, were there any skills or things that you learned from being in the military? I know you talked about the community yeah. aspect of it before. Were there any other things that transferred out of that to benefit you? Yeah, I mean, for sure the leadership and a, and a big part of what also you, you learn in the arm in the military army is that is how to be agile and decisive right so in the military they'll say to give an example the 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 way to explain it is there's a commander's intent so the commander says we're going to take this hill that's the intent at the end of the day we're going to be on the hill and then we have our plan and every every soldier knows the plan in, in that unit of how to take that hill this soldier's going to go here, this soldier's going to go here, etc. right? But when the battle starts, the plan is usually shot to hell, right? I mean, it just is a mess, right? So what so what happens then is then everyone as well as tra- is trained to understand what the intent is and then be decisive on the battlefield to be able to meet the commander's intent, which is at the end of the day, we're going to be on the top of the hill. And, and that agility really, and, and then calm and being able to be calm through that is a key takeaway from being in the military. And it really helps today when every day is different. You know, you go in and you're in a 500 person plant and a hundred people are home from COVID. I mean, that, 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 that is, that is hard. And you have clients upset and yelling because you can't deliver on time. So then that ability to be calm through that, be decisive and agile is, is really, really important pieces that, that I learned. So through all that, I guess, how would you describe yourself as a leader? Would it be more of, I don't, I don't think it would be passive. Because I know there are some people who would just say that about themselves, but are you very hands-on? Are you hard on people? What's kind of your... Well, I definitely have very high standards, right? Mm-hmm. And hold the teams to very high standards. You know, when you think about it, do you what football team do you want to be a part of? Mm-hmm. You know, do you want to be part of Nick Saban's team? And I'll bet it's really hard to work for Nick Saban. I bet it's really hard. But people want to work for him. 
right? Because they learn and they grow and, and they achieve amazing results. And, and so the people on my team are, are held to very high standards, but I, I do not micromanage Right. I'm not in their business, but I like to be in the mix is the way I kind of explain it. I want to be part of the decisions, part of of what's happening in in the business, but not necessarily doing their job for them. Okay, so one thing I kind of noticed in there, you talked about people kind of being worried about failure. Do you think this is like kind of an issue that's permeating a lot of people, either it's in the personal life or in the business world? Is this an issue that's pervasive and fixable or? Yeah, I, definitely in, in corporate America, people worry about failure. And part of the or the way to overcome that is is trust. Right. So the, the team members have to feel comfortable that, you know, when I was talking about being decisive, the team members have to feel comfortable that when they make a decision and the decision's wrong, that there isn't, you know, extreme accountability because they were wrong. Right. So that that they can understand why they made the decision, understand maybe what went wrong and, and then learn from it versus, you know, being being held um, to to task for a a poor decision. But all that comes in building a trusting environment, right? If they don't trust you as the leader, they don't trust the organization, then then they're not going to be as, um, as, fast to move or as willing to take a, to take risks, even if there's sometimes small risks. Mm-hmm. And then that leads just leads to uh, nothing happening. Well, it just goes back, I think, to what you were saying earlier about the importance of creating a community, creating yeah. a bond among the people that you right. work with. Right. And then and then when stuff goes wrong, then, then that's how you handle the conversation then as a leader is all important. Mm-hmm. And the conversation isn't about the blaming or it's about the autopsy. OK, what happened? Why? Why did it happen? Why did you make the decision like that? What'd you learn? All right. Now, what do we need to do? Mm-hmm. Right. Versus, you know, um, you know, some kind of strict accountability. Right. Because it just becomes then that that learning environment. See, because one of my favorite sayings that I've kind of been going back to a lot recently is like people who are too afraid to make mistakes won't make much of anything. Right. So I think that's just something that at least I need to work on it personally. And I'm sure plenty of other people do just getting over that hump of making a mistake. Yeah. I think a lot of people just assume it's a dead end. I make a mistake. It's over. But in reality, like that's not the case at all. Everyone. Well, and it's it's the idea of being comfortable with being uncomfortable Mm -hmm. because right many times those things that you want to do make you feel a little bit uncomfortable initially. I mean, even when you think about your college choice. okay, so you pick somewhere to go to college and you don't like it. So what? what, So you go somewhere else. I mean, you know, you when you think about those ramifications of of the decision, what what's the ramification? It's not it's not life ending. One of the things I started to do personally was every weekend I have a list of the things I'm worried about, right? And many times those things are keeping me from from moving forward on something. And then I review it every week to see what happened with the things that I'm worried about. And guess what happens? Many of the things that I'm worried about never come to fruition, right? But it's just that kind of immersing yourself in that thought every weekend to say, okay, you know, how do I be more bold, take, you know, push harder, uh, be decisive, and then help my, my team to be that way as well. I like that. I'm probably going to start doing that myself because yeah. that sounds like I, I, I definitely worry myself too much. Yeah. So I'd probably help. Yeah, it, d- it definitely is. It, you, you're looking at it and you're like, I, look, nothing happened. It mm-hmm. never came to fruition. Or it was bad, but it not, wasn't near as bad as I thought it was going to be. Exactly. Yeah. 
So you are a very accomplished person. Do you have any goals before you retire or maybe when you retire, what are some things that you want to be doing with your time? Well, for sure, before I retire, I'd love, I mean, my kind of secret, maybe not so secret goal is to be a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. I mean, that would be where where I'd want to end up. And you think about why and it, it, to me, it just Im- would be embody all that I've worked for in my career so far. Right. When you think about if you're a, a tennis player and, and you're growing up playing tennis, you want to you think about I'm going to play in Wimbledon. Right. That's that's your dream, because that embodies that you've you now are competing at the highest stage. on Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that's kind of w- what it means to me is that I would have then developed my skills as a business leader and am competing in the in the grandest stage of the business world, so to speak. So that would be something that I uh, that that I would love to try to accomplish before I retire. And then when I retire, I would like to serve on some boards and, and spend more time with on charity work. You know, we don't do a lot of that now just because I'm busy with work. Mm-hmm. So that would be where I'd like to spend my time. So I would never really kind of let's call it retire, but just kind of maybe not work as many hours. Oh, that's fair enough. So you're still like involved in that yeah, world. Yeah, still doing stuff. Yeah, because yeah. I feel like you're definitely that type of person who's got to be doing stuff. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I don't play golf, so <laughs> I, right. I'm not, if I if I didn't go to work every day, I'm not sure what I would do because I lo- and I love it. So that would just be a different way to maybe have a more controllable schedule mm-hmm. and and be able to pick and few pick and choose a few boards and then also just have time to maybe you know do some other stuff. You should try out pickleball. Pickleball, <laughs> yeah. Is it fun? <laughs> Uh, I enjoy it, but yeah. here at tennis player. Yeah, where do you play pickleball at? I'm just playing in school okay. so far, but nothing, nothing too serious. Okay, all right. So, do you have a, um, a sending off message for our audience? Well, um, assuming the audience are a lot of a lot of high schoolers, yeah, high I would say you know the the point about not worrying about. I see this with our kids. The the decisions that are loom in front of you, they they can all be redone. Meaning, if you choose a college you don't like, you go to the next college or you choose a different path. So not to put so much weight on decisions that um, that you believe might be uh, your, your entire life. I mean, how, when you look at adults and you look at what they major in in college and then what they're actually doing. Mm-hmm. And then th- this idea of finding your passion, I, I would like to kind of turn it a little to say, find something you're good at and it will become your passion. The guy or gal that's the best tax attorney in the country did not as a kid say necessarily, I want to be a tax attorney, but he was good at it. And and then he was successful at it because he was good at it. And then he became passionate about it because he was successful and he was good. So I think that that's a different way of thinking about, it isn't necessarily about a passion, it's about something you're good at and then turning it into something you become excellent at. So just take what life gives you and don't ever think things too much. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. That's perfect. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right. Welcome back to the studio. This is just me and Dylan again. Uh, a couple of things that I really enjoyed from the interview. Uh, the major one was I loved her metaphor about just taking the hill at the end of the day. It reminds me of a lot of different things that have been told to me in my life, but that kind of gives me a very clear example of it. 
You know, one of the most common sayings my mom tells me almost on a daily basis, it seems, is that man makes plans and God laughs. Much like how in that metaphor she explained earlier, you can have all the best intentions, all the best ideas of how something is going to get executed, but sometimes when something starts, it just all goes to crap. But you just kind of have to manage to kind of piece everything together and get to that end point. And one of the other things that I've been thinking about a lot is the story of the lily of the water and the bird of the air, where they are both so unconcerned with the world around them that their entire focus is just being what they are and what they were meant to be. And they're pretty good at it, and that's all they have to think about. It's very well said, Sean. I liked personally Mrs. Pruitt's philosophy about the relationship between an employer and their employees. She believed that building a bond with her employees will ultimately lead to success and more efficiency in the workplace. And I know in my experience, I've had an experience in a poor working environment where I was too afraid to ask my boss questions, which ultimately led to bad or inefficient results. Now, that's always a good thing when you can kind of take an interview like that and apply it directly to your own life like Dylan just did. So uh, we hope you got something out of it just like we did. Hope that you're entertained by it. Hopefully you got a little bit smarter by the end of the day because that's what we're here for. So thanks again for tuning in. Also, special message to our sophomores and juniors here at Loveland. If you're interested in taking a class like Tiger's Inc., put it down as one of your classes for your selection this upcoming year. It is technically a class by audition, so make sure you have an alternate in case you don't get in. But if this is up your alley and this is what you do, 